This is Bruisers, episode one. Why we fight. Today's episode of Bruisers is sponsored by actually no one. It is our first episode. <laughs> what? <laughs> Stop I just, I, looking at me. <laughs> I just thought that the pause was a little bit long. What pause? You, okay, so I said today's episode of Bruisers is sponsored by no one. And then you're like... I can't tell when you're going to finish talking. Sometimes you ad-lib and it's confusing. I'm not ad-libbing. I, I've never ab 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 lib ab lib this first time. Well, you don't have abs? <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to just feel my that was my wife and I you just heard. Wife. It's weird to say. After 10 years of dating and about a month, I think, of married life, saying wife is still a little strange. Good strange. Good strange. Strange like getting an extra fish sandwich in with your McDonald's order. Okay, I see now that I probably shouldn't compare my marriage to a fast food order. Okay. <laughs> Kate probably will not enjoy that. Fun fact, I actually love fast food, so carry on. Ten years is a long time is what I'm trying to say. A lot happens. Fights, foibles, tears of joy, tears of sorrow, tears of I just ate too much sriracha. So much happened, I didn't think being married would change anything. We were already living together, we were already splitting bills, we were already saying things like our dog our messy refrigerator, or our crippling student debt. <laughs> In a weird way though, things did change. The only way I can really put it is this. For me, being at the altar was like being on top of a mountain. On the way up, I had no idea how far it was to the summit and I lost track of how much time had gone by. But after the last steep incline, I'm at the peak. And it dawns on me how high up I am and how far I've actually traveled. In less words, it's like the past caught up to my present. For a moment, I was living in complete clarity. I knew how I got to St. Louis's, dressed in a black suit with my dad's pocket watch jingling from my belt and my Nona's knife in my back pocket, for luck, of course. My life was in context. I did this because of that, and I did that because of the other thing. For example, I dropped out of college because I wanted to feel agency because I never felt agency because I'm the youngest of four brothers, all whose level heads kept me protected and happy and completely unaware that not everyone in the world is as kind as they are. I noticed something else that kept creeping up on me as I stood in my fancy suit waiting in the church. The largest parts of me were defined by fighting, not bickering or throwing a tantrum. I mean, put up your dukes, let's take this outside, call you a smelly butt, I know you are, but what am I kind of fight? Fighting with the hands and feet the way monkeys do. It was coincidental that I was in a church thinking about fighting because for the longest time in my life, I defined my identity by two things. I called myself a black belt and I called myself a Catholic. I was Catholic in that my parents are Roman immigrants. 
They drink their church wine right from the source. I was spouting words like Eucharist and transubstantiation by the time I was old enough to be an altar boy. And if those words mean nothing to you, well, that's how Catholic my upbringing was. We'd wear black for a year after someone died. We'd go to church fairs for the community and not for the free food. That was all well and good until I was 12 and my rollerblades got stolen. Man, I couldn't even get something cool stolen. My rollerblades. Not cash, not a sweet gold necklace, but my hot pink wheeled rollerblades. They were two sizes too small. The thief was just some local bully, but he couldn't even leave the theft at that. He had to punch me too. I had never been punched in the face before. Even being the youngest of four brothers, we normally wrestled and we rarely were brave enough to throw a haymaker with mom making cookies in the kitchen, threatening the aggressor with a wooden spoon. I know it hurt, but I didn't feel it. It felt more like pressure than pain, like when the dentist numbs your mouth to yank out your wisdom teeth. The painful part is the blindness. The occipital lobe goes crazy. It's trying to process visual stimuli to let your brain know what the heck is going on, but it doesn't quite get there. It's getting rocked, so it's just blasting off signals to make sense of what's going on. Kind of like a guy that gets woken up with a fright and starts shooting a machine gun in all directions. It's confusing and scary. The brain, the same brain that guided me through Nintendo games and the damage half your life bar falling rocks from Double Dragon years prior, suddenly couldn't help me. You doubt your senses so much you feel like an HP Lovecraft narrator. Unreliable as shit, man. something in that flash of light. As I said, I was Catholic, and I always repeated the verses about pacifism. The line comes from Matthew. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other as well. Maybe it was inexperience, maybe it was fear, but when that light that blinded me finally dissipated, I did nothing. I didn't do nothing because I'm some peaceful Zen master. I did nothing because I was taught the lines from the Gospel of Matthew without knowing exactly how violent the world could be. Being Catholic made me do nothing. All it took was one punch and suddenly, I wasn't Catholic anymore. It didn't really matter to me that I wasn't a Catholic anymore because I was still a black belt. That was the other part of my identity. And I wanted to keep it sacred. I wanted to be worthy of being a black belt. I wanted to prove that it wasn't just a piece of cloth, 
and that I was capable of being just as violent as the world was. So I'm growing up. I become a teenager, and I want to look fearless. I wanted to seem like I would do anything, no matter how scary or unsafe it was. I figured if I stockpiled enough brave deeds, it would overshadow the pile labeled, You did nothing. Instead of trying to do this naturally, trying to be brave in the day-to-day, organic situations, I instead choose to manufacture situations to make it look like I have some balls. I start looking for a fight. I'd flip off random people, blow cigarette smoke in someone's direction, curse loudly around families, hog space at bars, piss on the sides of buildings, flirt with other men's girlfriends. I'd do anything just to say, see? No one will fuck with me. I went from someone pretending to be a fool looking for a fight to actually being a fool looking for a fight. I had no more dignity left because I was so bold, bold enough to shave all the dignity from my bones until I was a drunken, sweaty mess, throwing bottles at someone's family portraits at house parties, yelling down the hall to anyone who would want to fight me that they should bring a long wooden box so I could bury them in it after I kicked their asses, and then I burped my last conscious burp and passed out. And eventually it happened. I got my fight. Funny thing is, there's not much to remember about the brawl itself. Just some punches thrown. It's what happened after that sticks in my head. (sighs) I see myself on my ass outside a bar. The bouncer is telling me not to come back. I think I know him. I think I went to school with him. He won't say anything to me except go home, man. Even though I try to be casual, I tell them people fight all the time. That's what being young is all about. It's normal. It's fine. I'm fine. But I can't stay there. I have to go home, but I'm too drunk. I smoke cigarettes a hundred feet away from the front door of the bar, watching silhouettes and windows stare cautiously at me, thinking they must want to fuck me because what a man I am. What a man with my crooked nose and swollen lip, never once thinking that they are afraid to come outside because I look like a psycho. I leave, eventually. The silence in the car is heavy, and sitting in it too long starts to seed uncomfortable thoughts about what kind of man I really am, the kind of thing those patrons saw in the parking lot from bar windows. So I turn up the music. It's jazz, something I've never heard before, but it doesn't play loud enough. The volume is as high as it will go, but I keep forcing the dial to its maximum twist. Bump, bump, bump. It can't get any louder. I blindly fumble for the bass instead and let the rattle of my car fill in whatever silence I think I'm still hearing. By the time I get home, I'm starving, so I find a roll of bagels. Some combination of butter and Russian dressing slathers onto them glued together by pepper jack cheese and I rip into it like a raccoon that digs into an unguarded bag of trash. The silence is there in the house too. I text my friends. No one texts back. I think about calling my brother, but I'm so ashamed to tell him I let a punch slip through my guard that I return to my bagels. I smell like bonfire if the kindling was made of mayonnaise. I watch TV. Three hours of poker after dark lulled me into half-sleep so I'd wake up and feel the sore of my fat lip overhanging my mouth the way my belly was doing to the waistband of my pants. I tongue the gap in my teeth to mine my gums for any buttery bagel crumbs and before I go to sleep, I burp and I taste blood and Lando Lakes. 
Another revelation. Turns out, I'm not a black belt either. Those weren't exactly the thoughts I had as I was waiting at the altar for my bride to join me. I will say, though, that in the days that followed, I was sobered by how much I cut out of myself, but also how much I realized. Having a wife is scary, and not just because she has long arms and looks like an octopus flailing when she twitches in the middle of a dream. It's scary because the person I just described, the failed black belt ex-Catholic who has something of a fetish for bagels, is the person she trusted to start a life with. I remember adamantly disbelieving her when she first said I love you. I thought, how could you? I don't even know who I am. How do you know what you love? It's painful not knowing who you are, but it's scarier when someone knows exactly what kind of person you should be, you can be, and under all the collected hours of Skyrim and Pornhub, you actually are. In a strange way, good strange, like getting a free large coffee when you asked for a medium, the light I saw when I first got punched in the head gave me a lot of illumination. Yeah, it gave me a bruise and probably some mild brain damage, but it also gave me some insight on myself. It burned away all the flimsy, untested beliefs I had about myself. It made me confront the phoniness of my character. I was an insincere spiritualist. I didn't understand the weight of pacifism. I feigned Zen. I followed doctrine without honor, and as for the black belt, it was just a piece of cloth. It was something I wore, not something I was. The sad truth is, when I was confronted with the harder truths about myself, I ran away. I don't know why I ran. Part of me thinks that I was overwhelmed by the nature of the work it would take to ask myself those critical questions like, is this the kind of person I really want to be? And more philosophically, does God even exist? I fought enough to know that the little worms of doubt were up in my brain, but I didn't fight enough to untangle them. Enough time away made those worms swell and pus and morph until I spewed so much toxic blather that I eventually tore a hole in myself to fill with vodka and parliaments and other people's wives. See, I forgot about the other parts of fighting. There's the part that makes us feel weak. There's the part that breaks us down and exposes us for the people we really are. But then there is the part where we fight to stand up again. The part where we fight to reclaim ourselves. After so many swings and kicks and thrashes and bites, and after a long line of people I left emotionally wounded, I think I finally get it. I finally want to finish that fight. So, I'm at the part of the episode where I finally, after all this word vomit, tell you what I'm here to do. Uh, I, I guess you probably already guessed it, and I already said it. I'm here to fight. I'm a martial artist who lost his way, who wants to reclaim the purposefulness of spirituality and rediscover what it means to be a black belt. I want to do that by fighting. Yeah, I, I want to fight to get healthy. I want to fight to confront fear, but I really want to fight to re-experience the feeling of being broken down to my most vulnerable parts. The times in training when I feel like I can't lift another rep, and the times while fighting when I'm forced to tap. But this time, when confronted with my own weaknesses, I don't want to run. I want to listen to my body and figure out what it's trying to tell me. 
Other martial artists exist out there. There are bar brawlers, street fighters, boxers, judoka, and punch you on your ass and punch you some more punchers. They're what I'm looking for. Other fighters, other stories, other philosophies, everything discussed over a fight and a fine meal afterwards. This is my diary, a diary about wandering from fight to fight, learning something in the way of how violent the world is from people who are capable of violence, but also learning about how to find peace, how to stand up when we don't want to stand up, and ultimately how to live with our bruises. Hey, look at that, bruisers. Oh, that's the name of the podcast, by the way. So let me ask you something. Yes? You're 30. Mm-hmm. You don't recover as quick as you used are, to. Are you saying I'm weak? I'm My saying... My own wife is calling me weak. <laughs> I'm what the heck? S- <laughs> I'm saying I've seen you eat a lot of Taco Bell and mm-hmm. spend an hour in the bathroom. Oh, just airing all of our personal business, <laughs> huh? But fair point, yes. Do you think fighting someone at this point in your life is healthy? Uh, I don't intend on starting with a UFC veteran whose special move is running me over with a car. Oh. So, well, first of all, I'm really relieved to hear you say that, but um, does that mean you have someone else in mind? As a matter of fact, I do. As a matter of fact, dramatic pause, I do. Insert thunder sounds. Hey, thanks for sticking around for the full episode. I know my uh, nasally voice is what people really want to hear, but how about we give a shout out to the musicians that made this episode really what it was. Aaron Salentano is incredible, and most of the episode was possible because he lent us his very awesome, very fitting music. Ryan King also contributed what was named in my folder as Very Sad Piano Music by Rowan. I, I think I meant to type Ryan. Hmm. Either way, another awesome fitting track. Check out their music in the description of this episode. Thank you so much, guys. Also, I had some free sound effects from zapsplat.com. If you can't tell by my inability to filter out my heavy breathing, our show is pretty shoestring. Yeah, having a free resource of sound effects really goes a long way in rounding out an episode. It gives us the sound we're looking for. So thanks to the folks there. Lastly, big shout out to the two ladies who gave me the most feedback. 
Lily Myra, Editor Supreme, Bloodbender, thank you. I appreciate your honesty and your feedback and also your ability to avoid hurting my feelings, even when I knew my writing was a little self-indulgent. You could have called me a poopy head and you didn't, so thank you. And Caitlin, Molly Burke, slash Montanaro, thanks for saying yes when I proposed, first of all, and thanks for sitting with me in our hot-ass living room recording the same lines over and over and over again. That's so cool of you to do. I'm sorry for not showering beforehand. I didn't think we'd be in such close quarters. You are co-host extraordinaire, and no one sits with me while I audibly work out my ideas the way you do. We make a pretty damn good team. And thank you, the listener. Tune in next time to hear what happens next. For now, this is Bruisers. Bye-bye. That's a stupid way to end the episode. Maybe I gotta say, like, kick. I'll kick back... Uh, kick back for now. I'll kick back at ya next time. Shit.